Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother. <sighs> okay, Matthew, this is a multiple choice because I, I didn't I didn't know what to do. Oh, I didn't okay. know what to do. This week was so like left, right, up, down. So I'm going to I'm giving you a multiple choice and you're going to choose. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Let okay. me have it. Okay. Here are your choices. The sage, mm-hmm. the oracular, okay, or the enlightened Engineer. I don't know. <laughs> God. Oh, man. <laughs> the... <sighs> All right. The big pothead, Matthew Henry. <laughs> How you doing, Matthew? Oh, I, I got I got to be honest. I'm on my second sweet tea right now. <laughs> and um, uh, so this episode, I, you know, what you need to do. When the Giants have just been just jerking you around all week, you know, a, a nice stiff cocktail or two, in my case, uh, is needed. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I could be, a, you know, pothead, sage, oracular, lightning engineer. I could be whatever you want me to be right now because I, I'm just, um, I don't know. I, yeah. Me, raggy? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I row, row. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I am, I am deep into my batch cocktail, my batch gin punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know it's not time to talk about the cocktails yet, Bob. Stop giving me the stank eye. Um, but uh, if you listen to last Thursday's episode, you know what I'm talking about. I made a batch cocktail this week, and, and folks, like, I just opened it up on Saturday. And I'm on my second batch. I just made, I had to make a whole nother batch of gin nice. punch to make it to today. And, um, yeah, I mean, Matthew, you're the sage and the pothead. Because apparently the Giants were burning sage in the batting cages. Yes, um, I think as a it's joke, a, but I, whatever. I mean, as, as <laughs> they, I'm glad to hear they're doing something, man. Because yeah. something different than what they usually do. Because they're super oracles, right? This is the oracular, like you, you know, have all the answers. You know, people want us to be positive, Matthew. People want us to be like, hey, you know, it's not raining, even though it's pouring rain, you know? And uh, and so I thought, well, maybe Matthew could be the oracle and he could be like, hey, we're going to trust in the process and we're going to keep, you know, everything's fine, you know? And he'll say a bunch of things that aren't true, but talk about how the Giants are going to be good, like Farhan Zaidi style. Or... I thought maybe you could be the enlightened engineer because, you know, because of the process, right? Trust in the process, right? Like, look for your pitch. Drive the ball. Don't pitch at bad. Don't swing at bad pitches. Um, You know, just be a robot. Hit the ball to the same place every time. And maybe that's why their expected batting average doesn't match their actual batting average, Ben Kaspik, because they're robots and everybody knows exactly how to play them. Well, you know, I'm you sorry. say that, but it doesn't sound like like burning sage in the batting cage is quite robotic. <laughs> like I, I feel like you know they're yeah. 
they're like, all right, yeah. we need to try something. And I think they so, were doing it as a sign of levity, Matthew. I don't think they really think, I hope they don't really think. But also, you're right. Somehow I do really, th- I, I hope they do think the burning sage in the, in the batting cage will change things. Yeah, well, let it's me tell you 1970s why. 1970s so, things to do. It is. But, you know, I am, I have a master's degree in sports psychology. Mm. And if you Uh-oh. believe it works, The sound that it you hear works. is a bunch of people turning off their podcast players. Okay. But you know what? You know the the mind is a is an interesting thing, Ben. And mm-hmm. if you if you make it believe something, then it's true. Right. And so if the sage is gonna like exercise the demons and all of a sudden uh, help them not strike out seventeen times in a game, <laughs> then that's what we need to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it makes them think that that uh, that doing the exact same thing every game and expecting different results is the right thing to do, then you're absolutely right. Which brings us to our question, Matthew. Okay. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and it doesn't work, does that make you crazy or just a big stupid head? Oh, wait. So wait. No, sorry. That's from last week. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I know yeah. you like to hear the stupid head word. Yeah, no, that was yeah, uh, particularly... my bad. Okay, okay. Well, it was a cut and paste. Is a cut and paste. I'm all sorry. Right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, if you keep doing this, if one keeps doing the same thing over and over again, does that make one crazy or does that make one a big stupid head? <laughs> okay. Well, the the definition of insanity, right? If you've heard this phrase, is mm-hmm. to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there is a little bit of insanity there. The uh, maybe even a little insane. stupid headedness. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because they're they're not uh, what they have been trying to do has not been working. And what's interesting about all of this is that mm-hmm. the architect behind the Giants hitting philosophy this last weekend was sitting in the other dugout, hitting coach Donnie Ecker for the Rangers, who is the one that kind of put all this together and was the guy behind the uh, 107 win season when all they when they led the National League in home runs and all of that. So uh I think that there's there's philosophy and then there's execution. Mm. And uh I think the philosophy is strong but the execution is sorely lacking. And I see. You know, so and we we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think there's a lot of data, one of the great things about baseball now. There's lots of data to kind of show you how guys are. And yeah, we just have guys that are not producing. And it's, I see. Um, so you, it makes you crazy. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it makes it makes one crazy. So you're saying it's a, sort of like a Luke Skywalker Yoda situation, right? Like, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, try. do or do not, there is no try. And, and you're either good or you're not good. And Yoda was good and Skywalker and, and a young Luke was bad. Everything worked out though when when Luke got older. Of course. I'm sorry, that's a deep reference for those of you who don't know anything about Star Wars. That was a pretty funny joke I just made. <laughs> it was typical Ben though. It was a very pessimistic joke. Um those of you who did get it. Hey. Cool. Uh, I play D&D on Sundays. Let me know if you want to join. Uh <laughs> Anyway, today is Sunday, August 13th, as we record this podcast. The San Francisco Giants went 2-4 and four this week to bring their record to 63-55. and 55. 
They were two games under 500 for the week, but they're still eight games over 500 for the year. They went one and two against the Anaheim Angels, losing to one Shohei Otani in one of those games. A guy that I think a lot of people believe is going to be a San Francisco Giant next year. I'm not one of them. But you are, Matthew, right? Why not? Yes. Wow. You're supposed to come. Come on, man. Yes. I mean, yes. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I, you know, it's I, <laughs> it's tiring, right? It, it's I. That is me. I'm the positive one, but it gets a little tiring after a while being that yeah. optimistic because, they, frankly, you know, you want to see some reasons to be optimistic, and and we haven't really seen a lot of that lately. What are you talking about? Okay, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. I'm not, you know what? We're gonna get there right now. Yes, they lost one out of out of three. I'm sorry, they won one out of three to to Bruce Bochy, the last guy who managed the Giants, who really knowed how to do it. They they embarrassed us at home. We we snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat. We should have gotten swept. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Okay, yeah. Look, fine. Okay, the Rangers are good. Okay, I get it. Okay, Bruce Bochy's their manager now, and we're all sad about it. Okay, yeah, whatever. But let's take a look at the standings. Okay, let's just take a look at the standings because I want to remind everybody that how bad things aren't. So I'm looking at the National League West standings and I'm realizing, okay, this is not the best place to start. Okay, this is not the best place to start because they're eight and a half games behind the L.A. Dodgers and they were four games out last week. So about (laughs) about that, about that. Um, I think in a previous episode, I may have mentioned the Giants were going to beat the Dodgers in, um, you know, for it was more the, than one episode. Divisional title. And it was more than one episode. You said it many times. I, I, I don't, you know, we drink a lot when we're ta- <laughs> making these episodes. And I just, I just want to point that out. Okay. I just want to point that out that, uh, that sometimes we say things when we're inebriated that maybe we shouldn't have actually said. And, now that we're eight and a half games out, I just I just want to say that uh, I, I may have misspoke. Misspoke. <laughs> wow. We both. Well, we might both be eating crow by the end of the season. We won't be. We won't be. Uh, but it's theoretically possible now. Um, well, thank you for that that honest confession, Matthew. Um, yeah, we might lie about the, the 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 names of the drinks that we're drinking, but we are drinking actual booze while we do this podcast. It helps. It really does. Anyway, the Giants are still in second place in the National League West. That's something. I mean, yeah. folks, like, would you rather be a Padres fan right now? <laughs> would you rather be a Diamondbacks fan after the major rug pull that you've had this year? I mean. No. And I'll no. tell you why, because over the last 10 games, the Giants are four and six, Arizona is two and eight, and San Diego mm-hmm. is three and seven. Yeah, so, well, so we've actually gained ground on those teams over the last 10 weeks, even though, even 10 games, even though we have a losing record. Right. Well, so the, Gi- the, the Diamondbacks lost nine in a row and then won two out of three against the Padres to keep the Padres three games behind them. <laughs> So so that's how things are going for those guys. But let's move over to the wild card standings where things aren't so, you know, real. Um, the Giants are no longer the first wild card team. They have fallen one and a half games behind the Philadelphia Phillies, but they are in so- solidly in the second wild card spot, up by a game and a half over uh, the Miami Marlins, and two complete games up over the Cubs. What's interesting 
I mean, the Cubs are the only team in the last 10 games over 500. Yeah, they're uh, the that's only trailing, game. That's trailing the Giants, uh, yeah. which is crazy. And until you get down to, like, the Nationals and, uh, you know, who actually had a good week the last, or last 10 games. Have been that's seven, true, three. but they're nine games out. Yeah. And have so, seven so really, everyone is struggling. Yeah. And and as maddening as it is to see the Giants just just limping along, scoring one run here or there, uh, miraculously, we're still solidly in the wild card hunt and right in the yeah. middle of it. Right. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, even though this so team we're is flawed, going to the World Series, Ben. You know, the Phillies did it, and they were the last wild card. Right. the The Giants had the Marlins do it to them many many years ago. They were the la- they were the wild card, and they just you know when they won the World Series, yeah. you know. So so all you need, folks, is a chip and a chair, and the Giants have more than one chip. Okay, that's a that's a poker reference for those of you who don't know. Uh, and that's my point, you know. And 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 it really bothers me that I have to be the optimist right now. But the point is, is that like, look, this is still a playoff team. They're in a playoff spot. They're not even in the last playoff spot. And they're not even really being threatened by anybody to knock them out of that playoff spot. Yeah, they're playing crappy baseball. And and there's a bigger, bigger philosophical debate to be had there about, like, you know, being entertaining and how this regime is maybe not the most cognizant of that. <laughs> and, and if you want to make that argument, I will back you up on that. But if you're trying to make the argument that this team is not a playoff team and isn't better than many of the other teams in the National League, well, the data clearly shows you're wrong. So, you know, and that's my best crack at being an optimist, telling people they're wrong. Well, and, and I think that's, that's, I think even though you sound a little misplaced in your logic there, I, <laughs> I, I do think that that Giants fans are conditioned, I think, you know, we're so invested in the day-to-day that we're not taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. And in times like this, where it feels like, like we're just the worst team in baseball, you pull back and you look at the standings and you're like, Oh man, we're not the worst team in baseball at all. Like there's, there are a lot of teams that would love to be in the Giants situation right now. Folks, we have a front row view of the two worst teams in baseball. They are the Oakland A's and the Colorado Rockies. Right? Did you see what happened to the A's? Was it yesterday or today? Where the the, the pitcher got the ball, and then he just <laughs> just he forgot just, to throw it over to first. Yeah, just forgot how baseball worked. That was pretty like, funny. That's yeah. that's that's the worst team in baseball. Sorry to interrupt, but there you no, go. No, I just I feel like that's it's worth or important to kind of just take a step back, Giants fans, take a deep breath, and just feel like okay. Things could be a lot worse right now. You could be an Oakland A fan or a Colorado Rocky fan, and uh, or a lot of other teams for that matter. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of you know some of the reasons why things have are the way they are. Uh, but I feel like I feel like we we need to have a little perspective here. Right, but first it's hot or not. Right. Well, hot. So, you know, yesterday, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, right after, as you put it, the Giants snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And no one played a bigger role in that than Patrick Bailey. And Patrick Bailey is um, is definitely the hottest hitter 
on the Giants over the last week. And it's uh, it's almost kind of weird to think that because he's a rookie catcher who's actually been struggling for a little bit. Uh, but lately, for the last week, Patrick Bailey has been the hottest hitter on the Giants, batting 389. Seven for 18, obviously the home run today, six RBIs, three walks, only four strikeouts, uh, just overall has been the Giants' best hitter. Who else has been hot in a smaller sample size because he got called up this week, Ben, was I think the guy, as you put it, the never will be Elliot Ramos. Yes, a guy I also, and I don't know if I said this on the show or not, but I know I definitely said it to you, a guy I'd rather see than A.J. Pollock. Absolutely. Well, now we saw him because A.J. Pollock went on the I.L. this week and Elliot, Elliot Ramos came up. And while he, it was interesting today, well, yesterday, he on Saturday, rather, he hit his first Major League home run, and which is kind of what he had been doing in AAA. He had been really hot in AAA, had been hitting the ball with authority. His uh, exit velocity was, was, on average, better than, I think, just about any giant over that time period. And he came up and he hits his first home home run in Saturday, even though in a losing effort. And it was kind of in the ninth inning. It didn't really mean a whole lot. A lot. And then again uh, today in the ninth inning, he scorched a ball off the right center field facade, you know, the brick facade out there for a double. So it's great to see somebody hitting with authority on the Giants. And so Heliot Ramos, three for his last eight. And even though he struck out three times today, he also had that one big hit, and uh, which is more than a lot of other people can say. Um, and then the one more hitter that's kind of heating up uh, the last couple of days is Michael Conforto. And may I say, it's about freaking time, right? I mean, it's <laughs> almost spit my almost spit my drink all over my laptop. <laughs> Sorry about that, but Jesus Christ, it's about time. He's hit two home runs in back to back games. Uh, and hitting 278 with a 409 on base over the last seven days. So uh, I feel like this this could be, and I, we've said this before with Conforto, so I'm not really, I'm not going to take this to the bank, but if he can be anything like this for the rest of the season, it will be huge. Don't worry, um, Giants fans. It's a lose-lose situation with Conforto. If he starts to suck, he's definitely going to take his player option. If he t- gets super, super hot, he might opt out and go sign with another team and then rake with them next year. So don't worry. There's reasons to, to be upset about this one. The other the other one that's hot is Logan Webb, right? He had two starts this week. Uh, his whip for both, he went 14 and, and a third innings, had a whip of 0.98. Uh, 13 hits and only one walk in those 14 and a third innings. Uh, today he was one out away from a shutout. Uh, and then Duvall came in and, and coughed it up for him, uh, with a little assist from Brandon Crawford, uh, who made an ill-advised throw to first base with the guy running towards third. But, uh, Logan Webb has been, even though, you know, he hasn't gotten the win, has been amazing as usual and uh, continues to be the reason why the Giants can rely at least on one guy in the starting rotation uh, start after start. It would have been nice to see him finish the game. It, it, you know, it's never a mistake to go to your all-star closer. Right, yeah. Right. I mean, it's but, that's that's the ace you have in your hole, right? That like This is the guy that always yeah. that closes it out. You put him in there, it's a guaranteed win. Most of the time, right? Yeah, but and then and then again, I mean, Brandon, come on, buddy. 
come on, man. You've had a few of these games recently where it's just... <sighs> anyway, who's not hot, Matthew? Well, uh, so you look at our pitching staff. Alex Cobb uh, is definitely not hot. Uh, over the last... Well, yeah. Four and a third innings this week with nine hits, six runs, all of them earned. Uh, just, you know, really, really not a great outing for Alex Cobb. Another guy is Alex Wood, who we, you know, we'll talk a little bit about later, who has some opinions on how he was used, uh, but also uh, really hasn't given, um, you know, he, well, he's got a 5.63 ERA over the last week with over two games, nine hits and eight innings, uh, gave up five runs, all of them earned. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think those are the guys that are struggling um, uh, pitching-wise. Hitting-wise, J.D. Davis, after having such an amazing start to the season, has just been absolutely abysmal this week to the tune of an 087 uh, uh, batting average, two hits in 23 at-bats. 10 strikeouts to one walk. Just brutal. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like uh, J.D. Davis, uh, who was one of the reasons why the team was doing so well at the beginning of the year, is also now one of the reasons why they're struggling so much. That is who's hot and who's not. All right. It's time for the trivia question. All right. Well, this trivia question, I will admit, I will be impressed if anybody knows this because I didn't even know it. Until I was looking at it. And the reason I came up with this question was because I was looking at the 2018 roster, which happened to be the last San Francisco Giants team that Bruce Bochy managed before he retired, quote unquote, retired. Uh, so the question is, who had the second most at bats at second base for the 2018 San Francisco Giants? Abiatal Avellino. Lock it in. Final answer. And folks, if you even remember that name being on the 2018 Giants, you are a huge fan. Uh, but we will see if Avellino, I can't even remember how you pronounce his first Abiatal name. You thought I was going to say Rick Knight, didn't you? Didn't you? I, I did. I did. I did. But uh, I'm glad you, you, you zigged when we thought you would zag. That's a yeah. little bit different. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that. So we'll find out who had the second most at-bats at second base for the 2018 Giants. And I will say, even the person who had the most at-bats at second base, I was a little surprised because it feels like that person shouldn't have been playing so recently for the Giants. But we'll get into that when we answer the question. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. What are you drinking, Matthew? All right. Well, thanks, Bob. Uh, so I am bringing to the show today, an adaptation from famous bartender extraordinaire Anders Ericsson called the, well, his, his was like a bourbon sweet tea. Mine is a riff on his recipe. Uh, so I am bringing a sweet tea uh, cocktail, which has three quarter ounces of bourbon, three quarter ounces of rye, one ounce of Amaro Nonino Quintessentia, half an ounce of peach liqueur, three quarter ounces of simple syrup, a half ounce of lemon juice, four ounces of cold black tea, and two dashes of peach bitters. You add all those ingredients into a shaker with ice and you give it just a quick five to six second shake because you don't want to dilute it too much. You pour it into a pint glass because this is a big cocktail that's half filled with ice. 
and you strain it into that uh, that glass, and you garnish it with a mint sprig. And this cocktail is amazing. It actually tastes like sweet tea, but packs a pretty big punch uh, alcohol-wise. So that's what I'm drinking today and enjoying every sip of it, Ben. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Thank you, Bob. It really is. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Uh, Today, Bob, I am drinking a gin punch that I made in a large batch. And the reason I did that is because I was on the road, and then I needed some for when I got back. But then I drank it all, so I had to make another batch. All right. And so Matthew, if you think Matthew Matthew says his cocktail was big, wait till you hear the measurements on this one. And remember, this is many cocktails that I made in batch. And if you want to hear more about it, go back and listen to last Thursday's show. But here's what's in it. One and one half cups of gin. Yeah, buddy. And it was that kind of week for the Giants, right? I mean, it was a one and a half cups of gin week. Half a cup of maraschino liqueur. One eighth of a cup of demerara sugar a quarter of a cup of homemade lemon shrub. You can buy lemon shrub off the shelf if you want. And then one cup of water. Um, If you make the lemon shrub, make sure that you start that at home like a day or two in advance. And then you combine the gin, the shrub, the sugar, and the maraschino liqueur in a large pitcher or bowl. You stir that well, and then you refrigerate that in a well-sealed container. If you want to enjoy the drink, Later, from time to time, out of the refrigerator, you're going to take four ounces of that and combine it with three ounces of club soda or seltzer over ice uh, with a gentle stir. And that is how you enjoy your batch gin punch. And that is what I'm drinking this week, Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It was tasty cocktails, Bob, but you're right. All right. Well, you know who came back to visit this week? Um, was it was it Bob? <laughs> well, well, we didn't want to tell you, but yes, yes, it was Bob. <laughs> oh, Bob, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but who else came to visit? Was oh, yeah, former Giants great, former three-time World Series champion manager Bruce Bochy who deservedly mm-hmm. got a huge ovation anytime that Rennell mentioned his name uh, in the beginning, uh, which obviously was well-deserved. Deserved. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's wonderful to see. Uh, Giants fans are amazing, especially with those who just are beloved and who have a, such an impact on our, our memories and all that. Uh, so they gave him the 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 ovation that he deserved. Yes, but I'm 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 wondering, Ben, was some of that anti Kapler? Most definitely. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. Yes, that's what a, I thought. A, that loud ovation that Bruce Bochy got and fully deserved. He deserved it 100. percent All of that ovation, he deserved all of it. But some of that ovation was most certainly directed at Gabe Kapler, like. This is the guy that you aren't. This is my former boyfriend who, like, got all the right gifts, had all the right moves, 
knew exactly what to do and when to do it, you know, said all the right things to my parents, and then there's you. And I don't even know why I'm with you, quite frankly. I don't know why I went on that analogy, but I'm really digging it. This, yeah, yeah. There was definitely some of that in the ovation. This was definitely a slow clap for Kapler in some ways, right? A lot of people were cheering really hard and vigorously, but there were definitely some people in the audience that were definitely like... Nice slow clap, huh? <laughs> yeah, and they were staring at Kapler. You know, and, and I, I'm not saying it is or it isn't deserved, but, you know, I mean... Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy. His head is much smaller. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Beard, much more refined. <laughs> Beard, way more refined. Way more uh, oiled. Yeah, a well-oiled and well-precision-trimmed well beard. Smaller head. Probably bigger biceps. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think there was some anti-Kapler in there. I, I definitely think it was definitely an opportunity for the Giants fans to let the current regime know that they know uh, that, uh, you know, that they, they haven't measured up quite yet. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I actually, it's funny on, uh, I think it was on, it was on, on, on Instagram. I'm trying to remember what platform I saw this the other day, but I saw a screenshot of a, which I, I'm assuming was uh, a tweet or whatever the platform formerly known as Twitter calls it these days. But it was a uh, it was a picture of Taylor Swift, a very young Taylor Swift, with this like dwee- dweeby-looking dude. And the dude, it was from his Twitter account saying, you know, basically that Taylor Swift had broken up with him in high school for a guy named John who played the guitar. And then she broke up with John... Uh, and, uh, and now makes more money than them both combined than they would ever did. And then he ended it by saying, and she made the right choice. And the reason I'm telling you the story is because I felt like, you know, like, how is it that you were like the former boyfriend of Taylor Swift? Like, that's gotta be like weird. Right. And, 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 and someone like, 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 like Bruce Bochy and Gabe Kapler, you're Gabe Kapler. You're following this legend of a manager there. That is a no win situation. He could win the world series this year and it would still be two less than Bochi. And, and so I just, I feel like the guy, uh, I'm going to be a little bit of an apologist for him because, you know, he is managing the team the way it was constructed. And Bruce Bochi would have had to have done the same which is why the man retired, quote unquote, uh, from the Giants in the first place. Because he didn't want to manage a team like that. Yeah. And so Bochi, you know, so Kapler has is put in this position where he's forced to, you know, uh, bring in left-handers, you know, all against right-handers. He's, you know, because Farhan has created a team that is heavily reliant on those kind of things. He's also forced to have two starting pitchers and then figure it out the rest of the of the way. He's not the one making these decisions on who who is on the roster. So I feel like, you know, he's been dealt a hand that the fans are really blaming him as this guy that you yourself, Ben, Mr. Robot and Robotics and all that. Well, yes, they are relying heavily on analytics 
which, you know, no one was complaining about in 2021, by the way. But I feel like he's got this. He is not the one to blame, I think, for how he's managing. He is managing in a way that is forcing well, he's managing in this this team because the way he is, because that's the the personnel that's been given to him. I guarantee you, Gabe Kapler did not go into the season saying, you know what would be a great idea? Let's just have two starting pitchers and figure it the rest out the rest of the week. Uh, you know, I, I guarantee you that was not part of the plan. And yet, the Giants are now, what, eight games over five hundred but have done remarkably well. Their pitching staff is like, has the third best ERA in the, in the majors, you know? So I, the guy deserves a little bit of credit and yes, he will never be Bruce Bochy and Bruce Bochy has a special place in San Francisco giants heart. But Gabe Kapler is, I think has done an admirable job, even though, you know, he hasn't quite lived up to giants fans expectations. So that's it. That's all I want to say about that. Well, okay. I mean, hmm. So what, I guess I get what I hear and what I'm hearing is is that yeah, number one, Bruce, Bruce Bochy was great. Number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Number two, Bruce Bochy had great rosters that were full of traditionally good, well, just good players. And then did not want to manage a team the way that Farhan Zaidi was going to build it. So that's why he wasn't a manager. He was a special consultant and whatever, whatever. But then, you know, obviously he still wanted to manage. That's why he's managing now. And and you're saying that it must be very difficult for Kapler to be in that situation where he's not the guy who builds the roster. He's just the guy who has to manage the roster. Correct. I think that's... That's, I mean, that's what every manager has to do, right? And, right, And so right. it's, he's well, using an unconventional approach, but getting some results from it. And I think that, that that's not appreciated. Right. Well, first of all, I just do, I'd want to just finish up on the whole Bruce Bochy aspect of this, because it is really nice to see Boch come back. And, you know, he was a great, and it, it's nice to see the fans get that opportunity to, for, uh, for us to tell him how much we revere him and value what he brought to the organization. Absolutely. I think that's really that's really a great opportunity. I'm also very happy for him to go to a team that is that is well stocked and doing well and is also being run in a philosophy that he agrees with, right? The GM there is a former player that he used to manage and that he knows very well. Right? He managed for what did we do we sell 11 or 12 seasons in San Diego. Yeah. He just managed in San Francisco I think for one or two more years than that. So uh so anyway, the the point is of course I think for Kapler to have Bochi come back is always going to be rough. But for him to come back leading one of the best teams in the American League and then basically dominate your butt for three days, um, you know, at least on the, you know, at least dominate your very pathetic lineup um, and and win two out of three games and very nearly beat you, sweep you. Um, yeah, that's got to be a little humbling. And I, I don't think it, it feels great. Um, it sounds to me also that you're saying, though, that the real person that we should be blaming for any f- faults that this team has is Farhan Zaidi. And on that side, I completely agree. Anything that's wrong with this team is most certainly Farhan's fault. But anything that's right with this team is also his. Right. Yeah. Well, and and that's true, too. I mean, that's what I've admitted in the past. But I, I will say this. Yes, I think this team has done a very, very good job of managing the pitching staff. 
I think it really isn't that difficult to manage this bullpen. Like, right, the expectations of before the season was that this was going to be a good bullpen. It started off a little rough, but it has turned out to be that way. I think we expected a lot more out of the rotation. I don't know whose idea it was to do this whole two-headed monster thing. I always thought it was a stupid idea. Um, it clearly has not worked out well, right? I mean, they've just gone flat out to the opener role, right, where you primarily have you know people like Brebia or Walker starting rather than having one mediocre starter starting and then being backed up by another mediocre starter. Um, that That has kind of fallen to the wayside. Um, and I would agree that, that, that Kapler has done a good job managing underperforming starting pitchers. Um, I do, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. I do worry that that has its limits in terms of, you know, um, meeting the expectations of the players. Right. Yeah. It's really weird. And even here's the here's the thing. And I, I again, we're going to talk about this later in the show. But I do want to mention, like, even Farhan Zaidi said they would much rather have five quality starters starting five days in a row and then going back to starter number one. That is what they right. would prefer. They're only doing this because they don't have good enough starters to do that. The guys that they do exactly. have are crap. And so that's why they're doing this route. That's right. a weird message to send. That's the message he sent, and maybe that's relevant to what we're going to talk about later in the show. But all of that being said, yeah, I agree. I think Kapler has done a really good job managing the starting rotation to make it functional. I agree that it's not great. Um, the one thing I will say, I don't know that that's the problem with this team, like, is the pitching. I don't think the pitching oh, no. is the problem. Like, Well, it's you know, not. I just think that fans have this... Uh, uh, this this problem with the way the pitching staff has been handled because it's it's very unconventional. People are are all up in arms about the way the Giants have have done their pitching staff, and I can get that because it's unconventional, and we talked about that. But that's not the problem, folks. Yeah, you're getting distracted by this whole like, oh, we only have two starters. We got what is it with this, you know, openers stuff, and people are getting really really bent out of shape about it. And not really spending any time talking about the real problem, which is the hitting. The hitting is bad, Ben. And it's so bad that you've got guys like other podcasters, I think Baggerly or was it Brisby on The Athletic? They're doing articles trying to explain why it's so bad. And, and unfortunately, it's bad because guys are not, you know, you had, we had, there was, uh, I can't remember, was it Brad Baggerly uh, or Brisby? One of them did this article where they were talking about people's, what they were doing with pitches uh, in the strike zone. And there are so many pitchers that are hitters, rather, that are just flat out missing pitches right down the middle of the strike zone. And that's been happening for a, at least a couple of months. And uh, so it's it's since since at least June... We have struggled. The Giants are the worst team in the National League in so many hitting categories. And well, yet we're only like two games under 500 during that time, which is just amazing. To me. Well, yeah. I mean, so, it's pitching and defense that's carrying this team. That's why, right? So if, if we're always wondering, why are they good? Why are they winning? Why are they? It's because of their pitching and defense. Okay? It, it is never because of their offense. If you look at this team, they had one good month 
I mean, I guess they had two good months because they started off okay. If you look at their wins created plus, or sorry, their weighted runs created plus, which is a stat that you always talk about, Matthew, and I think I finally understand. If you look at that stat, they were okay in the first month of the season, uh, and then they were okay in June, which is when their pitching got really good and the and the and the bullpen really started to turn it around, and that's when they started winning a lot. Was because they were scoring a little bit better and their pitching became absolutely dominant. Well, the pitching has stayed okay across the board. Yes, even with the crazy starting stuff, right? The pitching has been great, but this offense sucks, and it's not it's not in a slump. It sucks. Okay, and it has sucked all year. They have had a a few flashes in the pan, which I think have distracted people. But all in all, like here's my here's my deep, detailed analysis, Matthew. It sucks. Okay, (laughs) this offense sucks, and because they got a lot of guys who miss balls right down the middle, and you know what? You and I would too, because we suck. And that's that's my analysis. Not enough All good right. hitters on this lineup. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad that you have this expert analysis of not enough good hitters to explain it away. Uh, you know, there are numbers in there. And, you know, I don't normally promote other podcasts, but uh, Ben Kaspik from Locked on Giants, who is a, uh, you know, they is a really, I mean, he's a baseball nerd. I'm sure he would probably tell you that. I don't know him personally. But he really likes the numbers. And he did a great episode last week that delved into uh, basically how unlucky the Giants have been using expected batting averages and expected OPS plus uh, or OPS versus actuals. And the Giants are the unluckiest team by far. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close since uh, since uh, for the last eight weeks. And and many of those the the numbers of each player far below their career numbers, but also, you know, obviously far below what their expected numbers are. And so, you know, basically you made the argument that the Giants are unlucky. And and when that happens, oftentimes things even themselves out. And and so, you know, we we don't need with the pitching, the way the pitching is going, we don't need the Giants to be a top 10 offensive team, but they can't be the worst. And and so you know, I feel if you're looking for that optimism, listeners, the optimism is that it can't get worse than it has. And there's a lot of reasons to believe that it will get better. And, you know, you, all you need is you see guys like Conforto starting to hit. Uh, Tyro is, is is back and making an impact. You know, you're starting to see things starting to kind of pick up, not to where it's really made a big difference this week. But I feel like we're on the cusp to turning things around, and I think that the, you're going to see some uh, some better offense from from the Giants moving on out because law of averages says that it has to, and uh, and and we're starting to see a little bit of that already. So I'm going to be optimistic that the offense is actually going to perform better over the last uh, what are we uh, guess what six weeks of the season. And and I'll back you up on that a little bit. Because I'm looking at Fangrass now, and I'm looking at the expected batting average versus the actual batting average for for a lot of players, and and so Jock Peterson's real batting average is 232, but his expected batting average is 267. Luis Matos, in about well about a third of the at bats, is 242, and his expected is 267. 
Patrick Bailey is meeting expectations. Mitch Haniger, I don't want to talk about him. But he was under. He was under expectations. Heliot Ramos is also under expectations. We've seen that guy be robbed a lot, right? In the last couple of yeah. games, guys, right? Like if you go out and look and see a lot of the games, he hit some balls hard and had some guys make some great plays. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about expected batting average. When players are making outstanding plays to snag the ball away from you, that's what this means, right? Like, because it's a basis of not just how hard you hit the ball, but where you hit the ball and how it's traveling and what the expectation is that a fielder will catch it and 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 get you out, right? And I think Heliot Ramos is a great example of that because he's a small sample size, but we know he's hitting the ball hard, well, we hard, and we know that he's having some good results. But you look at some of his bad results. They've been hard-hit balls where the players made outstanding plays. So he's a really good example. Um, Lamont Wade Jr., on the other hand, is right in line. Wilmer Flores, way above. He's at 301 average, and his expected is 258. So some of the Giants are getting benefits. J.D. Davis, right in line. Michael Conforto, basically right in line. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, basically right in line. Luciano um, hitting better than expected for his few at-bats that he had, his his 12 plate appearances before he was sent to AAA and got hurt. So you, and, and just to clarify, you're using the season numbers. I'm using right? the season not, numbers, not not recent, right? So it could have been it yeah. could have been bad recently. Yeah, so Ben Caspic used it for the last uh, you know, since their their woes started. So he was basically just focusing right. on Right. Well, it looks like to really... me a lot of this is regression to the mean. Because a lot of these guys' numbers are snapping into what they're expected are for the full season. So this could just, yeah, it's a run of bad luck, but it looks like maybe some of the runs they were having were positive. So, yeah, but then you look at, so then you look at, okay, well, if you're expected and your average is 258, but over the last eight weeks you've been batting, you know, 100 then now you would expect there to be some, some equaling out. Well, right? yeah, I and mean, so, what I'm saying is, is that it has equaled out. That this is the, the this is right, and so they're eight games over five hundred with a slightly above average offense, barely above average offense, like five percent above average, and a really good pitching staff and really good defense, and that's an eight games over five hundred team at this point in the season. But you do make a good point, which is that if this is averaging out, then things should trend in the opposite direction, and we should see. A, a normalization. Effectively, that is what we are seeing now. We're just seeing the negative side of normalization. But if it averages out, and evens out from here on out, they should hold steady and they should maintain this spot in the playoffs and they should be a number two or number one wild card. Um, unfortunately, that's not the way things always go, but I do think it is a good point. Like from here on out, if the Giants do poorly, it's probably going to be because of bad luck. Yeah. Right? Because the, the pitching staff is really good even though they use it in a weird way and i get it that's upsetting but at the same time it it, it's working right except i don't know if you if you ask alex wood that question (laughs) Mm. i don't i don't know if he would agree with you no no alex would not agree with me so just to just to lay the 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 lay it down here for you. Uh, so Andrew Baggerly tweeted today uh, or yesterday. Alex Wood was on short rest, fifty nine pitches on Wednesday. Threw a pen yesterday. That means he had a bullpen session. So he knew he might be asked for an inning or two tonight. He didn't expect to be left in from the fifth through the ninth inning. They're going to do what they want to do. He said, "You've just got to take the ball when they tell you." 
And then he says, the only reason I said I was good to go back out there for that last inning was literally for these guys in this clubhouse. That's the only reason I love these guys. That does not sound like a pitcher who's all on board with the way he's being used right now. Yeah, and just for the record, Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler do not hang out in the clubhouse. They are not those guys. And the they that he's talking about, they're going to do what they want to do. Is Kapler and Zaidi, I think, to a certain extent. You've just got to take the ball when they tell you. Um... This does not sound like a happy man, Matthew. And it also sounds like a man who is trying to create an us versus them. Right? I love these guys. This is why I did that. I didn't do it for Kapler. I didn't do it for Zaidi. I did it for these guys who are my guys, who are us, who are not them. And it sounds like a guy who's trying to stir stir up some crap. Yeah, I you know what Alex is, Alex Wood has never been afraid of kind of sharing his opinions, and uh, I I feel like he's uh, you know basically putting it out there that he's not happy. What's interesting though is that this is the last year of Alex Wood's contract. I think it's pretty safe to say that he will not be coming back to the Giants next year. No, he will not be teammates. I kind of wonder after this one if he'll even finish the season. Oh, are this you this year? I, I'm 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 remembering Zach Littell, mm-hmm. you know, mouthing off at Kapler as he was getting taken out of the game, and the next day, Littell was no longer a giant. And you know, when you've got guys dis- roster decisions to be made with the likes of Kyle Harrison and all that, I kind of wonder if it would just be Alex Wood gets DFA'd uh, because he's a cancer in the clubhouse and he's not, uh, you know, not to, or at least I shouldn't say that he's anti Kapler and and vocal about it, I think that there could be a little bit of that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what uh, the ramifications are for Alex Wood. I don't think there's any little bit about it. I think this guy was clearly trying to create an us versus them. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they, they, they. I love these guys. I only did it for them. That is clearly a man who is trying to draw a line and create an us versus them scenario. And that is definitely a bad thing. You do not need people like that in your clubhouse, and this is a problem. And on top of all of that, I mean, you know, I I think Alex Wood does not like, he's a conventional guy like most traditional starters are. He does not like the fact that he's being used in the way that he is. He's not, you know, he's being uh, used as a a reliever or a long man or a swing man rather than a starting pitcher. And when you couple that with the fact that Farhan Zaidi, because look, it's not like the management is doing a good job here either, right? Because I do think this is a very bad sign. It's a sign that Kapler is on the verge of losing the clubhouse, right? If people yeah. are starting, if players are starting to question the decisions that they're making and saying like, I disagree with this and I don't like it and, and we are against you, they, then you're starting to create, you're starting to lose the clubhouse and that can be a very, very bad situation. So this does not bode well for me, but I will say that, you know, Zaidi did not make this any easier or better when he said near the trade deadline, we would much rather have five starters in a traditional starting role. He didn't say it quite like this, but he effectively said, 
But the guys that we have right now aren't pitching well enough to warrant that. They're not good enough. And that means you, Alex Wood. And I think that's probably how Alex Wood hears it. I'm not well, good enough to be a starting and, pitcher. And he's not. Well, there's that. He's got a 4.92 ERA. Like, I mean, what part of that is screams that you should be starting, Alex Wood? Yeah. Yeah, you're a part of the problem. If you'd been pitching any better, then we wouldn't need to do this BS stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just, you know, Alex Wood, he's got his panties in a wad. And he's just, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of him, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, this is bad. This is this is bad, right? Like, yeah, no, Alex Wood, the reason you're not starting is because you suck. I mean, the reason that you're mop-up duty is because that's, that's as good as you have been, right? Like, that's that's the truth. That's the reality, right? I know you believe in yourself and, and you think that you're better than that, but the results are the results, dude. Like, you have not been good this year, and that's why you're not a starting pitcher. Right. And and that is why the best thing that you can do for the team is go out there and take your lumps so that other guys don't have to throw. That's the position that your performance has put you in. And that sucks. But that's also your role. And it is not okay to then go and try to create, you know, a a situation where it's us versus them when really it's just you suck. So, you know, I mean, this is just this is not. You know, I I like the players. I support them. I want them to do well. I especially like them when they, you know, when they're good guys, though, and they're they support and pull for the organization. And this does not sound like a guy who's doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was DFA'd. But at the same time, you know, I don't know that the management is doing a lot to help the situation much. Right. I don't know that Kapler is warm and fuzzy when he needs to be. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point of Kapler. I mean, I'm sorry, of, of Zaidi saying things like, "We would rather have five starters." I don't think he's stopping to think about what what his what his pitching staff is hearing when he says things like that. Well, what they're hearing uh, is that the GM thinks you suck. Yeah, right. Which you know could be the truth, but you don't need your GM to be going. Yeah, out the GM should not that. be saying that. So right, and I think the I think the the coaching staff should be doing everything that they can to mitigate that and be supportive as possible, right? I mean, that's really your job as a manager, and that's at least something I know something about. Like, look, when you need to let people go or you need to tell people that they're underperforming, you have to have those conversations. But you do it in a way that where you try to get them to perform and you do it in a way that doesn't hurt the overall organization itself. And I'm not sure that that sort of conversation is happening enough. And, and, the, and in fact, the counter sort of message is being sent and uh, and when when you start to hit these downturns and these struggles, it can turn super negative. And I hope that's not happening because, you know, this with a lot of the questionable decisions around pinch hitting, like when you pinch hit for Crawford or not, and when you pinch hit for Slater or not, and who's available and who isn't, we we could really have a situation where the players and management are very, very much on different pages. And I think it, it is something that I don't think is out of hand yet, but you're starting to see the signs of it. And they either need to start winning or they need to start talking or hopefully they yeah. start doing both. Well, that's a good point. I think that the winning kind of solves a lot of problems. And when you're winning, it's hard to kind of be um, say anything against kind of what 
you know, what has gotten you there. Uh, but now that they're struggling a little bit, we're starting to see some cracks in the, uh, in the armor there. And, and I feel like, you know, the Kepler, uh, has his, you know, things that he's not great at and, but he's been able to kind of keep the team because they've, they've, you know, overall, I think they've, they've been winning. And, and I think it's been easy to kind of tell the pitching staff, Hey, we're doing all these unconventional things. And you, and you know, we've heard this, the most of the staff, you know, say things like, well, Hey, we're, we're winning. So we're, you know, we're, we're doing this because this is, you know, the way that you know, that's going to produce the, the success. And now they're not having that success. We're starting to see some of that. So, all right. Well, you know, it'll be, you know, losing the clubhouse is a big deal. And um, I'm not sure if, if, if Kapler is quite at that point, but when you start having some of your veterans pop off like that, it doesn't definitely speaks to, you know, some, some, some issues that are happening within the clubhouse that need to be addressed. Indeed. All right. I think we're time now for uh, wrapping this up, which means the time for the trivia question answer. Yes. If you recall, the question was, who had the second most at-bats at second base for the 2018 Giants, which was the last season that Bruce Bochy managed for the Giants? The answer is Alan Hansen. Wait, you're sure I, I know, I know. He had 294 at-bats. It wasn't even like he had a few. He had 294 at-bats and hit 252 for the Giants. I'll be honest, I don't even remember Alan Hansen. And he had 294 <laughs> at-bats for the Giants. But what was even more surprising to me is that the guy who had the most at-bats at second base that year was Joe Panic. Like, I feel like there's no way he was playing for the Giants in 2018, but that was... That was his last season with the Giants. It just seems like it should have been so much longer ago than that. Uh, 2016, yet, I would have been like, yeah. E- exactly. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was his last year. But, you know, no, 2018. So uh, just some interesting you know, names. When you go back and look at some of the rosters just through the years, it's amazing Like where you're going, what? That guy? What? It's it's pretty amazing uh, to look at all, all that. So that's the answer to today's uh, trivia question. So looking ahead, uh, you know, for Thursday's happy hour episode, uh, I am drinking a Paloma, which is, you know, a very popular cocktail nowadays and fits right in line with my summer cocktail theme. Ben, what are you drinking next year? Next week, rather. Well, I'll probably drink one of these next year, but I am drinking the cold brew old fashioned, which is just what you think it is whiskey and coffee excellent all right uh as far as opponents we've got the tampa bay rays uh uh joining you know coming into town and uh you know they got off to an amazing start this year uh, but now are not even leading their division uh they've fallen behind the orioles and uh but they are the number one wild card traditionally been a very strong team I think some interesting things that have happened lately is uh, Wander Franco, one of their all-stars, is uh, no longer with the team due to some unfortunate uh, uh, was it Twitter or Instagram uh, I, I, messages I don't that got out. I don't even know. I think we're going to be you're going to be hearing a lot of news about this in the SF media for the next three days. It's a doozy, yeah. folks. Um, and, yeah. and that does benefit the Giants because Wander Franco was really hot at the plate. And he's, he's one of the better players in baseball, and he was hot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, that's a thing. 
I think what's also interesting is, especially as we we're talking about our pitching staff, is that Zach Littell, uh, who was let go by the Giants after he mouthed off at Kapler uh, as a reliever, is now a starting pitcher for the yep. Tampa Bay Rays, which is um, really weird. Yeah, we won't uh, see so, him, though, most likely. Okay, well, that's unfortunate because that would have been kind of cool to, to see that. But uh, yeah, so the Giants, uh, you know, are, they've got their work cut out for them because the Rays are a really good team. So we'll see. And then we travel to Atlanta uh, to the Braves, who are also really, really good. Um, they, you know, they haven't, you know, they just, they just had a really good series against the Mets, but then so does everyone. So you can't really, you know, they have gauge the best record well in are. baseball, Matthew. All right. Well, okay. There is that. Uh, so the only bright spot is the Giants have traditionally done good against teams that are uh, over 500. So hopefully we will uh, at least uh, put up a fight. Yeah, with the- just like we did against the Rangers. Exactly. This, this exactly. is a wait, this, wait no. This is a brutal week, folks. Um, this could be an 0 and six week, and people, you wouldn't be surprised. Right, oh, like why, why you gotta end it that way? Not I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. Week. What I'm saying is, is that these two teams are really tough. Like, right, so like the Giants, Giants got to win really these. The Giants got to win these. Uh, they got the Giants got to go at least three and three. But like, honestly, I would like to see them go four and two and prove that they continue to beat winning teams. What I'm saying yeah. is, is that like these are two teams that could sweep the Giants both, right? Yeah. Cause I they, will say. No, I, I will say though that uh, the starters for next week. I think we've got a opener uh, on on Monday, and uh, and then TBD and TBD. And so those that are our guy, best starters. Man, yeah, that. Uh, but what I wouldn't be surprised, and you, you, you know, I'm just planting the seed. Just planting the seed is maybe a Kyle Harrison start is imminent. Wow. Well, you know what? If that game happens on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll be there. Oh, all right. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I, can't I definitely. If, game, if it can but, happen, uh, one of those two. I can't make every day swing. I certainly can't make it swing if it's in Atlanta. But uh, yeah, if Kyle Harrison makes his debut this week, I can't do it on Monday, but I can do it any other day this week, but I'm not flying to Atlanta. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm taking my kids to college, so I can't do it, but I will be listening if that is the case. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all we got today. Uh, Ben, uh, folks, if you've, uh, don't forget to subscribe um, and like uh, us on social media, uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter Instagram, uh, Threads, Mastodon. You know, give us a follow there where we put all of our recipes. Uh, don't forget to rate us uh, and uh, hopefully a positive rating on Apple Podcasts. That would help a lot uh, with our placement on Apple Podcasts uh, platform. And, uh, you know, until next week, Ben, it was great chatting with you and uh, we'll chat with you then. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. <laughs>